the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. podcast on the great Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Check out a ton of great podcasts here, radiomisfits.com. And uh, we are happy to be here every Tuesday and Friday. It is Friday uh, and some really fun stuff happening on the show. Coming up uh, in just a second here, Daniel Knox is going to join us. He is a songwriter, a composer, a musician. He's also uh, a projectionist, a film projectionist who worked with uh, the Music Box Theater in Chicago for over 20 years. He is also a David Lynch expert and archivist who has curated the new David Lynch Complete Retrospective, The Return, which is at the Music Box today through next week, every single night, every single day for the next week. The Music Box will be doing something incredibly David Lynchian. They will be every night and every day, David Lynch films, David Lynch related shorts, guests, all kinds of stuff, all put together by Daniel Knox. It's all going to be a huge, huge tribute and retrospective of the brilliant, the genius David Lynch. And that's at the Music Box. So we're going to talk all things David Lynch with Daniel Knox. Also, Esmeralda Leon uh, joins me every single uh, podcast. It's a special day, though, because today, Friday, April 8th, is Esmeralda's birthday. So uh, we've got some uh, fun stuff that we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about lies that your parents told you, you know, like, hey, you cross your eyes, they're going to stay that way. Or uh, if you read in the dark, you'll go blind. Or if you swallow uh, your bubble gum, uh, it'll take seven years to digest. All those lies that you've told your kids, we're going to talk about some of the most ridiculous, including one that my uncle told me about Walgreens. So we're going to talk about that. But we are also going to celebrate Esmeralda Leon's birthday. And you know who else enjoys celebrating? Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. That's right. If you would like to be a part of the show, you can say leave your voicemails. Please do. 773-417-6948. We love to hear from you. We've been hearing from you a lot. Thank you for the support and the kind words and the voicemails and the emails. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you to Jason Skaggs for all the themes and the sounds and the music that you hear. My buddy Ed, the main man behind Radio Misfits Network. Uh, and check out RadioMisfits.com. So, Great stuff coming up. And again, hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Let's get right to it. Daniel Knox, a great musician and a guy who loves David Lynch and knows David Lynch and has programmed an incredible retrospective that will be happening at the Music Box Theater this week. Let's do that right after this. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jackal.
Okay, uh, as you know, I am, if you're a regular listener uh, to this podcast, if you were a listener for all the years that I was on WGN, you know uh, that one of my favorite filmmakers of all time is the great David Lynch. Um, and the Music Box Theater, which is, we are lucky to have that place, not just on Earth, but especially in this city. The Music Box Theater is uh, from, from now until the 14th for the next week. Music Box Theater is going to be running nothing but David Lynch-related uh, items, including movies and shorts and all kinds of really cool stuff. It's a David Lynch retrospective, uh, the David Lynch complete retrospective, The Return, and the programmer of that uh, is Daniel Knox. And uh, I was very excited to uh, to get him on. I know it's a busy time because this thing is just starting. But uh, Daniel, thanks, man. Thanks, and welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thanks for having me. No, it's my pleasure. So, uh, David Lynch, the retrospect. This is the second time you've programmed this. Yes. Tell That's me about. Uh, tell me about how it happened the first time. So, I've been a projectionist. I had been a projectionist at the Music Box for about uh, twenty years, and in two thousand seventeen, uh, just before Twin Peaks was about to come back, you know they they had asked me if I might be interested in in putting something together for that. And initially, we had thought, you know, just a screening of. Of, of one of his films or, or, or fire walk with me, something like that. Yeah. And uh, I just proposed something really crazy, which was just to show everything. And we did, and they, they let me, you know, get away with it. And, and uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, a traditional film programmer, really. I just, I just, uh, it, there's, there's very little in life that I'm an authority on, but it, when it comes to David Lynch, I, I can, I can very confidently say that I am, yeah. uh, you know, and, um, and so we put a week together in 2017 of uh all of his films and 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 it and it came together beautifully yeah it did i was there for a couple of them and uh and uh i'm, I'm definitely coming back uh this week uh for it um i you know it's cool I, I i just have to say man i love the music box uh the the thing i love about the music box is i mean i grew up blocks away from there so even as a little kid um i would go there when it was a shithole you know what i mean like when it was when it when it was a rat infested shithole i would still go Honestly, there. I, uh, I'm sorry. I'm really, I'm really interested to 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 hear about that, like what it was like at that time, because I have no it, the, of Before it became the revival house uh, in the '80s, when you know when they went in and they 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 fixed it up. I mean, right. I'm talking about in the '70s. It was a shithole, and then they closed it down for a while, and they showed uh, foreign films, foreign language films. There, they showed Spanish films and other movies, and 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 they were not up to code and they were just trying to sneak their way into getting people into the place. Right. Um, and it was, you know, in those days in the seventies, I grew up going to movies in the loop, man. And, and the grindhouses of the loop, the Oriental, the Roosevelt, Estate, like the Chicago, you yeah. know, and now they, you know, they've got, you know, officer and gentleman, the musical and shit like that playing there. Now <laughs> I used to go there and see Kung Fu triple features when I was a kid, you know? Oh man. Yeah. I've seen that. I, one of my favorite music box stories really quickly for me as a little kid was my parents took me to see everything. My dad especially did not care. My dad took me to see the exorcist in the theater at the gateway theater on the Northwest side when I was eight. Wow. Uh, yeah. So that's the exposure that I had to films when I was, when I was a young <laughs> kid. Uh, but my parents uh, and I went to the music box one night and we got turned away because I was about seven or eight. And they were trying to get me in to see Richard Burton's movie Bluebeard. Um, and, and the woman, there was an old woman who was in the ticket booth. Um, and she's like, I'm not letting you in with that child. And she refused to let us in. And that's one of my favorite stories about the music box was this woman was like, you can't take your child to see Bluebeard. 
Wow. I would, I would have loved to have seen it at that time. It's, it's weird because, you know, movie theaters are places that people don't really take pictures of the inside of. So you don't, there aren't a lot of pictures from like previous eras. There's pictures of the marquee and things like that, but I'm really interested what it was like then. You know, we got an email once from, uh, uh, an old manager of that theater who described what it was like in the seventies. And he said there were pinball machines in the inner yeah. lobby. At one point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there were. And you know, here's another weird thing though, man, in the early eighties, I started working at the jewel across the street, which is completely different now. Back, yeah. And you know, this you worked, you've worked at the music box for 20 years. So you know that that jewel across the street on Southport there used to be the smallest jewel in the city. It was only 11 aisles. Mm-hmm. And, and I worked there for 12 years. And when I used to work there years and years ago in the early 80s, the guys that ran the music box used to come. I used I was the manager of the dairy department at one point. And they would come in with a shopping cart and clean out my butter like they would take all the butter from. (laughs) I'm not shitting you, man. Take all the butter and bring it across the street and use it for the popcorn. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So lots of history. Yeah. The other thing I heard about it was that they would have like really ill-advised double features like Annie Hall and the Bad News Bears. Oh, yeah. In the in the in the early 80s when they reopened and they were trying to get their footing, they were trying to I don't know if it was owned by the same guy who ran the Parkway, which was a theater over on Clark and Diversity, which is now an optical shop, if I'm not mistaken, right around the corner, right around the corner from the Landmark Century. That theater, there used to be one right there and it was called the Parkway. And at the time in the early 80s, uh, they both were revival houses, and I think they were mi- maybe fighting for films, and so they had to get. I think the music box had to get a little creative with their double features. <laughs> but then, the, you know, they started showing the independent stuff and the new stuff, and now they are what they are. And you now, how did you get into projecting, man? Well, you know, uh, about twenty years ago, uh, when I was twenty-two, I. Uh, applied for two jobs. I applied for a job at the the Admiral uh, Video <laughs> Store, which I got. And then I also, in the same week, I got the job at Music Box. And I just, you know, it was a clear, Music Box was the clear winner there. But my life could have gone a very different way had I, had I accepted <laughs> yeah. the job at the Admiral. I like to think about that. It's kind of my, yeah. my pivot in, in life. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, 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 initially, I worked at the Music Box as a concessionaire. And... Uh, uh, I did that for, I don't know, nine months or a year. And then there was a, a guy named Seabass who was the, the head projectionist. And he just asked me if I wanted to learn. And, and I, he, I did, and I, I, I wasn't very good at it to start. And I was really scared uh, every day about doing, cause I, you know, I didn't want to injure any of the, of the, the prints. Sure. Sure. And, uh, and, and, and at that time, everything still was film. I mean, like most di- digital projection really wasn't, hadn't taken over at that point. So I was, you know, running a lot of film at that point. Yeah. And uh, that was sort of uh, trial by fire. And then I, you know, it, it just became a really good job for me. I loved it. I loved being there. It's a beautiful place to, to work. And, and, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not really a people person. So like being a projectionist is really yeah. good for that because yeah, yeah, you yeah. just don't have to talk to anybody. You're like the hunchback. Right. The- right. Well, that's cool, man. That's cool that you did that. I, you know, because I grew up in the era of uh, of films, and uh, you know, and wondering if the projectionist was going to get the real change right. That was always a, a, a it was always a, that was a, oh, yeah. at, cer- at certain theaters. It was always like, well, it's, I think the projectionist might be drunk or something. Well, you know, a really fun one is when you get the reels out of order. And, oh yeah, uh, and then you're telling a different story than the uh, intended one. It's funny. We were just talking about this. I went to a screening. I can't review it officially, but I went to a screening of Robert Eggers' new movie, The Northman, um, mm. 
the other day and I'm not allowed to review it until it comes out, but it's fucking great, mm-hmm. Daniel. Anyway, anyway, I want to see that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, we, my, my buddies and I were talking about it and they were talking in fact about the music box because uh, Steve Procopi, uh, who, you know, obviously. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Eric Childress and, um, and a couple of other guys run the, they, they're part of the Chicago film critics association and they've got the Chicago film critics fest which i'm sure you know about obviously yeah I've run that many times yeah and so they're working on getting prints for you know the 20th or 30th anniversary like they do like they had richard kelly come in which i was thrilled about they showed southland tale did you project that i probably did i think South, i did i think southland, i remember that. yeah southland tales and it was you know richard kelly was there and that made me very happy but anyway uh, they were talking about getting, you know, you know, 35 millimeter prints for stuff, uh, which is a great thing that they do with the music box. But I would just want to uh, tell you about uh, two quick stories, Daniel, that I think you as a projectionist, you'll appreciate this. Um, there was a projectionist strike back in 1992. Maybe you read about this or heard about this. I remember it. And there was a projectionist strike in, back in 1992. And they had a big nighttime Warner Brothers had, a, despite the fact that there was a projectionist uh, uh, strike. Warner Brothers had a big sort of press and free screening, public screening of Coppola's Dracula. Um, and uh, Warner Brothers had this, it was at the McClurg Court Theater, one of the big, beautiful theaters from downtown. Oh, it was it was kind of a, you know it still wasn't as beautiful as it was in 1992, but it was there. It had a charm to it. I like it. Yeah, and so we had to cross the picket lines to get in, and uh, so it was a projectionist <laughs> strike. Third reel. Suddenly, oh wait a minute, it's upside down and backwards. <laughs> uh, that's uh, that, that, that's got to be tough there too because McClurg Court was a platter theater; they weren't running reels. So, you know, if it was if it was in there, spliced in there, backwards, upside down, then uh, you, you know they just had to run it that way. They couldn't probably take it out and, and redo it. Yeah, no, it was the, the rest of the screening. Uh, we were we waited for I don't know how long it was. Maybe he they, maybe they didn't splice it onto a, a onto a platter at that point because it was a screening, like a yeah. So maybe it was, but it only took about 20 minutes before they fixed it. But clearly that was done by a projectionist, I think. That was, that was uh-huh, like, uh-huh. Here's your message. You're going to cross the line. Uh, here it is. But that, you know, that kind of stuff is very interesting. It doesn't happen anymore now that we've got the digital stuff, but that must have been fun getting your hands on that, on that film and everything. You, you know, so, you know, obviously I've read that you are, a, you grew up in movie theaters. When did you start going to movies? What, what are your stories about as a kid? What movies really got you? When did it all turn into a movie thing for you? Well, the the big, uh, you know, pivot for me there was was Batman in 1989, and I lived two blocks from the Esquire Theater in Springfield, Illinois. Okay. And uh, after I saw Batman, I really just didn't want to be anywhere but a movie theater. And and you know, I used to uh, go see the four o'clock show of something, and then I would put a there was a back exit of the theater that nobody used, and I would put a rock in the door go home, have dinner, and then come back and, and, and sneak in the back and watch the nine o'clock show of whatever was playing. And, um, it, it, you know, it for a long time, it really just didn't matter. I just wanted to be there. I just loved watching movies and, and I would see everything, um, you know, romantic comedies, courtroom dramas, whatever it was. And um, I even saw, you know, this is a really weird thing to admit, but the movie that I've seen most in theaters is Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, God. I saw that movie, I think like 29 <laughs> times in theaters Jesus. and I got to a point because it was, it, it because it, it showed at a time when the theater that I went to turned into a uh, second run house. So it was extended for like six months. And so there was nothing else to see sometimes cause I'd seen it all. So I would go see Mrs. Doubtfire and I would, I would like 
kind of like challenge myself to watch it in different ways. Like I would watch it and I would, I would only watch the extras in the background <laughs> or I would watch it and I would like decide to close my eyes the whole time and just listen to the movie and just like experience it in different ways. <laughs> like that's the level of like movie going that I was kind of doing. That's the best. That's the best fucking story I've ever heard, man. And and for some reason, it is so appropriate that that story uh, centers around Mrs. Doubtfire. I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's just what was showing. It was just what right. was on. That's fantastic. Um, uh, so so from there, then w- when you started to uh, get into films on your own, what what were was I mean besides you know Batman? What, what were what were some of the other ones where you went okay? Uh, okay, Batman was the first one, but were there other films like seminal movies for you? Well, Twin Peaks Firewalk with me was like when I, I I knew that that film was something more that it was serious, and I I actually um, didn't see that in theaters, but uh, you know um, I rented it and I actually watched it in a in a a van that had a VCR in it and I had rented a bunch of tapes and watched it on a trip to Wisconsin, which is a really, really weird way to watch. Oh, um, but, but I mean, uh, I, I spent a lot of time at the movie theater, but I also spent a lot of time at Blockbuster and I would rent tapes and, and, and I would stack them. I would, you know, rent everything by one director, right? I'd rent like 10 or 15 tapes, stack them up on my TV. And, uh, you know, when I was finished with one, I'd put it to the, to the right. And, you know, so the stack yeah. would get, get bigger. Yeah. And and that's really just kind of what I'm trying to do with this retrospective is just is just create that experience, but create it more in a communal way where like all these kind of, you know, lonely weirdos that like David Lynch can kind of just like have that again. But yeah. but, but in such a big and immersive way was was Firewalk with me the first Lynch movie that you had ever seen. It was, and, wow. and it's like, wow. you're not supposed to watch that first. No, that's I, that's the deep end, dude, as you know. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> technically, technically, Inland Empire is a little bit deeper than yeah. that. But oh, yeah, yeah. I would say, you know, to me, watching Firewalk with me and then the pilot is a very interesting way to I watch Twin Peaks. It's not correct, but yep. it's also kind of right. I think there's a difference. And, you know, it makes the pilot, it turns the pilot into something less fun and quirky and into something that's kind of an indictment of everybody's failure, uh, you know, of Laura Palmer. Yeah. No, the boy, that's a really, I can't even imagine that. Now I had, by the time Twin Peaks had, had come out, I had, I was already a, a maniac, uh, uh, David Lynch fan. And so in, in Twin Peaks, the, the TV series, not Firewalk with me, when Twin Peaks debuted, um, that was the same year Wild at Heart came out as you obviously know. Yeah. And, um, and I was already on a high from that, you know, like after seeing Wild at Heart, I don't know, a dozen times in the theater. And then here comes this Twin Peaks and like it, it that the pilot was up until that point. The pilot for Twin Peaks, for in my opinion, is was one of the greatest things, uh, maybe the greatest thing that's ever been on commercial television ever. Um, and I was astonished that he got away with it. You know, yeah. Uh, um, and and as the show went on, the first season of Twin Peaks to me is astonishing, and then the second season not so much. And I think we all know, you know, why that is. And when Firewalk with Me came out, I remember seeing Firewalk with Me. I saw it at the Lincoln Village Theater. Um, the day it opened and the audience in there, um, you know, probably, you know, thought Twin Peaks was cute and quirky, you know? Yeah. And was like, I don't know, 45 minutes in, we're like, what the fuck are we watching right now? (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, let's let's be fair. Let's be fair. Everybody maligns season two, but it's really like about eight or nine episodes that we're talking about because the first half of season two and the last episode, last few episodes, where it's like trying to course correct, those yeah. are those are pretty pretty damn good. But I think like yeah, there's obviously the Diane Keaton episode. We won't. Yeah, we don't have to talk about. It's yeah. like the worst one. But yeah. Well, all right. So Lynch became. So you went back after you saw Firewalk with me. Did you go back and get all the tapes and go back to Eraserhead and and just go nuts? I did. I, I got Blue Velvet, and then I I got. But the thing was, like in the nineties, it was hard to watch Twin Peaks because the only version of the pilot that was available was that European yeah. one. So you had yeah. to kind of like fig parse that out in your own head canon of why that was the way it was, and like right. you know, um, right. eventually, I think it, it came out you know, on a VHS set that had the pilot that was like in a different, but it, yeah, because the rights were owned by a different company. Right. But uh, yeah, I, I went through, through all of it and I just devoured as much of it as I could. Well, okay. This is uh, your, your retrospective of, uh, of David Lynch. Uh, tell me about uh, what it is about David Lynch. And then you had a personal, you have a personal connection to David too. You've actually worked with him. Um, well, I, you know, he, he came to the theater and I did some music while he, while he played and, and spoke and, and, uh, we had dinner together and, you know, we weren't like making a film together or anything yeah. like that, but we, you know, it was, yeah. But there was, but he knows who you are. You've had a personal connection with him, which is pretty cool, man. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me what it is about David Lynch. What is it about him and, and his films and his work and the stuff that he's influenced by and, and the stuff that has influenced, uh, other people, which is what this retrospective is about. Tell me about it. So the the big thing about David Lynch for me is the the way that he understands how the most beautiful part of a mystery is is before it's solved and when you're just hanging kind of in suspense and how you know um that can bring you into a story as a participant in a way because by by not answering these things he's, he's allowing you to wonder about what the answer might be. And it's in that sense of wonder that I think, you know, uh, the most beautiful things happen in a story. Uh, you know, take for instance, uh, like an episode of unsolved mysteries, for example, and they say at the end of it, you know, and, and, and she was never heard from again. And, and you, you, you just have to kind of figure out in your own mind, what you think may have happened and, and all of the answers to that. And it's not just being vague and it's not just being evasive. It's, it's a sense of, of wonder and imagination and, and, uh, that mixed with, uh, just a, a, a very American, uh, art form that he has, you know, to me, he's very much like Edward Hopper in that way. And, and, and in a very signature American style that, that, um, those are the things that I, I, I gravitate to in his work. Well, um, you know, you've, you've, you've got, a, I mean, this, this is very exhaustive. How did you put this together? Uh, I, I know, you know, you know, getting it all together for 2017 and now, um, I mean, cause there's, you have so much stuff here. What was it like to, choose and sift through it and get it all together well i'll tell you there's even more than you than than is uh you know than what you see there's we're because i have a 20 minute pre-show for every feature that is things that i cut together that are relevant to the film and some of those are david lynch's shorts there's also a short that plays for every feature uh, some of those are his shorts and, and things like that but some of it is also uh, clips of him on on the Tonight Show, for instance, or you know Siskel and Ebert giving a bad review, or um, you know things that put you in the uh, headspace of watching this film at the time that it came out. 
Um, you know, or in the case of Elephant Man, for instance, I have, you know, um, a, a, some short documentary clips about, about John Merrick, um, but also David Lynch talking about it. And, uh, you know, putting all this together has just been a process of, you know, for me, the criteria was, did he pick up, did he pick up a camera? Did he write it? Did he direct it? Uh, or was he in some way in it? And if the answer is yes, then for me, it's in. And yeah. uh, that 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 leaves very little time in between features. So essentially, if you come to the music box for any of these days, you know, every moment that you're there, there's, there's pretty much going to be something on screen that has to do with one of his films or a, that, you know, is is one of the films themselves. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I'm, I, I'm looking at this, this whole setup and everything, and it's, it's really uh, incredibly uh, exhaustive and thorough and amazing. And the fact that you put together these shorts before each one that you cut together is really incredible uh, and shows a lot of care uh, in, in, in the, in the subject uh, of him. Now, you, you know, I know, I do notice that you did, you, did you try to get lucky for the, for the fest? You know, I, I decided not to only because, um, we had it last time. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Not it's, it's not a film, and, and 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 it was in its original release last time when we had yeah. it. So I mm-hmm. felt like it was, you know, um, I am going to show probably a clip from it. But I, yeah. the the film I decided to show is actually Zelly and Me, right? Which is a really rare film to see on film. And uh, the director of it actually called me, and she directed the only thing she's directed is Zelly and Me and two episodes of Twin Peaks, including the the funeral episode. And so she sent me a little video introduction to the film that oh, we're cool. going to play for it. And uh, it's a very, you know, David Lynch has an acting role in it. It's, I think it's his first acting role, as a matter of fact. It's him yeah. and Isabella Rossellini. Yeah. No, I've seen Zelly and me, and it's really amazing that you've got that. Wow, that's really cool. The director reached and, and, and you got that exclusive video. Well, uh, you're showing, do you have a, is, is it tough for you to pick a favorite David Lynch movie? It's not tough. It's uh, it's far walk with me, uh, you know, all day long. But it's but it, but but Blue Velvet is like right there. It's just that far walk with me. I I think um, there's just not a day I can't. There's barely there's barely any days I I can't sit down and watch that movie and find something new and and find myself in it in some yeah. way. Yeah, I have a. And if, I mean, I, I I I love Fire Walk with me. I I love. I mean, Blue Velvet is you know insane and amazing i i i i think i just have to go back to a racer head like every time um wow. it was the first lynch movie uh that i saw um and i didn't know what the hell was going on i saw it at a midnight show at the three penny on lincoln i remember the three penny yeah and that's where i saw it and it was probably about seven, eight months before I saw um, Elephant Man. So in the theater, like Elephant Man, like 19, you know, 80 proper when it was in the theaters. Right. And I was like, what? You know, and then I saw Elephant Man and I saw so much of Eraserhead in Elephant Man. Um, and, you know, I, I think a lot of people who never saw a David Lynch movie before, but then were like, oh, let's see this Elephant Man. It's first of all, it's produced by Mel Brooks, which is hilarious. Right. right. Um, and it's like this Oscar contender movie with John Hurt, Anthony Hopkins, and Anne, uh, you know, and Bancroft and everything. And so, but then all that weird shit happens in it. And I think a lot of the people who were expecting, you know, it was nominated the same year as Ordinary People. So I think a lot of people who were expecting that kind of thing were like, "What am I watching?" You know. Yeah. 
But yeah, Racerhead was the first one that I saw, and I think I always have to go back to that one. What is your least favorite David Lynch movie? That's uh, something I always ask people. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I... I, I uh, geez, that's hard. It's not a very positive question to ask, but I'm... No, I'm I get... I, look, I, I, okay, I guess I got to go, and I love it, though. The thing is, I don't dislike any of his movies. Right. I, I guess I got to go Dune, and, but, and yet I love it. So I guess if, I had, if, if a gun was put to my head, I would say Dune. Yeah, I would probably too, but that's what he would say. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll tell you this about Dune though. This is kind of, have you ever, um, have you ever seen the Spice Diver fan edit of Dune? Yes, I have. Okay. It's, 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 it's good. I suggest it to people sometimes. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't seen whatever the new I, Dune is, but. I love, I, Denise, I love the new version of Dune. I've seen it. I saw it five times in the theater. Um, yeah. I, I happen to be a really huge fan of Frank Herbert and the books. Uh, and so, um, okay. I, so that's, I have a different sort of weird perspective on that because I'm just so into it. So like, I, I've um, avoided it cause I just can't really abide, uh, Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. I think he's great as Muad'Dib. He's, he's, well, he's not Muad'Dib yet. He won't be Muad'Dib till the second movie, but right. So this but one I, is, is, he's just, like he's just, is he's just Paul. He's Paul at this point. He's just Paul Atreides. But, yeah. but I, but, uh, I love the new version of it, but, but. I remember I went to a book signing at Marshall Fields downtown on State Street uh, with my with two of my Dune books, and I met Frank Herbert, and I got him signed. And this was about a week before Lynch's movie came out. And Frank Herbert, uh, listen, if if all you know, he loved Lynch's version. He loved it as far at least that's what he said at Marshall Field, you know, in front of all of us. He said, "Hey, I've seen the version of I've seen the movie of it. I really love it. I think it's great, and I'm very happy with it." So right. I always I always hold that into my in, into my you know into my memory as the Frank Herbert loved Lynch's version. That's interesting. I've heard conflicting reports on that, but usually people say that he loved it. I, you know, I, I have this, uh, this cassette tape that is him. It was put out by Walden books and it's him and David Lynch talking about Dune. And I put some of that in my, in my pre-show for it. Yeah. So I still think, Dune, I still think Dune is great though. I mean, I don't care. It's my least it's favorite, fun. but but I still think it's great. I have a the other one that I love. Uh, maybe it might be you know right up there. I, it's close to God. I love all his movies though, man. It's hard. Um, I fucking love Lost Highway. I love Lost Highway, and I also think that Lost Highway, without question, is the sexiest movie ever made. Um, like that's a movie where I go, there's a lot, I think David Lynch's, where, where do you stand on this, Daniel? Because I think a lot of David Lynch's movies are really fucking hot. I think they're sexy. <laughs> uh, and I don't know if that says something about me or how weird I am, but I cannot tell you how erotic and sexy I find a lot of his movies, especially Lost Highway. Like that's a movie where it's like, oh my God, where, where, where do you stand on the sexuality and the eroticism of, of Lynch's work? Oh boy. That's a, <laughs> that's a very big question. Um, <laughs> I mean, I suppose I'd have to agree with you that Lost Highway is uh, is right up there at the top of that list, but Blue Velvet probably a close second. You know, yeah, and Wild at Heart too. I mean, I just Wild at Heart, right? You <laughs> yeah. forget about all those scenes where they just cut to them in the back in the hotel room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, I don't know, man. I actually think that that Wild at Heart might be even steamier than than Lost Highway in in a lot of ways. Yeah, I don't know what it is about Lost Highway though, man. I, I just I don't know. I uh, where do you stand on how do you feel about Lost Highway? Where do you put that one? Oh, you know, I I started I used to do a ranking and then I kept like it became 
so I just started, I would move it around every day. And it, so I stopped doing it. Yeah. But um, Lost Highway is in my, probably in my top five, I would say. So let's talk about some of the uh, other stuff, like David Lynch, The Art Life. Uh, right. tell, t- talk about that documentary. So The Art Life is uh, a documentary that uh, started as a sequel to another documentary that, that we're showing. So we're showing a, a movie called Lynch One, which is mainly uh, focuses on the making of Inland Empire. And then they made a 30-minute Lynch Two, and they were starting Lynch Three, but then they kind of turned it into something else. And The Art Life is uh, a really, really good sort of David Lynch origin story. You know, he talks about uh, his childhood. He talks about his his thoughts about art, and um, he also you you just kind of live with him for a little bit, and it shows what his process is like. And um, I really recommend that one. It's it's very good. Very cool. I wanted to touch on some of the other more uh, not just the the standard David Lynch stuff. Like you've got Duran Duran on stage now. A lot of people a lot of people might not know that that David Lynch made a movie with Duran Duran, which makes me I, you have no idea how much that pleases me, Daniel. It's, it's, it's interesting. It is. I bet uh, bet it is. (laughs) It's interesting. It's a Duran Duran concert with David Lynch visuals. It is technically a David Lynch film. Yeah. And that's why we're showing it. And it, and it, it is, uh, it is a very interesting way to see Duran Duran, I guess. I'll just say that. Yeah. And I'm going to be, I'm going to proceed that with a uh, 20 minute video of David Lynch cooking quinoa. (laughs) <laughs> and I feel, like, I feel like that was an interesting character. Um, and because uh, oh, he, he kind of, that's a classic. You can't, yeah, you can't show that. It's not really like a film, right? But it's right, right, right. It's it's important. <laughs> and and the 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 other stuff that we're showing that's kind of more uh, the, the 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 like a non non Lynch stuff. So we're showing Boxing Helena, which is David Lynch's daughter's film, right. Uh, and we actually got her permission to show the NC-17 cut, which basically never shows. And there are only two prints of that that exist. Amazing. That's amazing. And uh, and then my the thing that people keep asking me about, and they're like, why are you showing this? Desire and Hell at Sunset Motel. Right. Let me just tell you, like, so these movies like Zellie and Me, Boxing Helena, you know, Desire and Hell, these are the movies that when you went to Blockbuster in the 90s and you were done watching all the David Lynch films and you were looking for like, what's next? You know, yeah. what has the names of these people on it? Who, what has these actors in it? And those were those movies. And you took them home and you watched them and you internalized them. And, and, and you know, uh, Desire and Hell at Sunset Motel is a direct-to-video 90s, you know, uh, David Lynch... Uh, I, I, I want, I don't want to say, I, I don't, I want to say loving tribute, but it's a ripoff. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah, yeah. call it what it is, yeah. but it's a beautiful ripoff. And, uh, and I loved this movie and it has, um, you know, Sherilyn Fenn is in it. It, 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 it mimics Twin Peaks style in a lot of ways. It fails at that in, in ways that I think are funny and interesting. And, uh, uh, uh David Johansson from the New York Dolls is in it. Uh, uh, Paul Bartel is in it. And, and uh, it, it, it has that kind of, you know, 90s direct-to-video, fuzzy uh, HBO late-night quality to it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, lo- I love that about it. And the best thing about this, though, is that, like, I just inquired if we could show this movie. And it turns out that only one 35-millimeter print exists at all. And the Academy Archive loaned it to us. 
and it has never shown. And we are premiering this print wow. first time. And it is, I mean, I, you, you, you just have to come and see it because yeah. there's, it, it's going to be, you'll, you'll, you'll never get a chance to see this movie on film ever again. Probably. That's amazing. Now, you, you know, again, I don't want to go take up a bunch of time by telling everybody when and when these things are showing. Here's the deal. You want the full schedule, go to musicboxtheater.com. Yeah. Um, and you'll get the full schedule. And there's a lot to talk about here. If we were going to give list all the things, you know, what time and everything, you'd forget about it. Uh, but go to right now, go to musicboxtheater.com, go through the entire week and uh, check off the things you want to see and get your tickets now. Tickets are on sale right now. Um, and it's at Music Box Theater. And this is an incredible program. I also want to mention, we, we talked, uh, obviously you can't, we talked about Eraserhead, but you have Charlotte Stewart coming in. Uh, yes. th- and that is unbelievably cool, man. Tell us about how that happened. Uh, well, you know, uh, we've got, uh, Scott Ryan from the Blue Rose magazine and he, uh, got us connected to Charlotte. And, uh, as you know, she played uh, Mary in, in Eraserhead, but also, uh, Betty Briggs in Fire Walk with me. Yeah. And she might turn up on our Twin Peaks night that we're going to have. And, and, uh, but she's going to be there for a Q and a for Eraserhead. And, uh, uh, I'm very excited about that. I want to get her to sign my, uh, my, uh, Twin Peaks trading card and my, my eraser head uh, replica doll that I have. Very cool. So that's 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 great. You got her in a lot of the short. You're doing the short films and things that are associated with, it. and then you're showing you know uh, stuff like uh, obviously Mulholland Drive, and you're showing mm-hmm. Elephant Man. You're showing all of his movies, Blue Velvet, Blue Velvet Revisited, um, which is t- tell tell us about uh, Blue Velvet Revisited. Blue Velvet Revisited. So tonight is an inter- is the opening night, and we have Blue Velvet on 35 millimeter. Dwayne Dunham, the editor of blue velvet is going to come and do a Q and a tonight. Very well, this is the, I'm sorry. This is last night. This happened last night. No, this is happening tonight. No, I know. But when people hear this, Daniel, Oh, I see. So <laughs> I, I see. So last night and it went great. Tell went everybody. Great. <laughs> right. Sorry. No, that's cool, man. That's okay. cool. It is today is Friday, April 8th. That's today, Daniel. I should have told you that. Understood. Understood. <laughs> anyway, so it happened last night, but tell us about it anyway. Well, uh, Dwayne Dunham uh, came and, and did a Q&A <laughs> after Blue Velvet. And then we had uh, Blue Velvet Revisited, which is a uh, very unique behind-the-scenes uh, movie that was shot on uh, Super 8 at the time by a German photographer. Cool. And he set all the footage to music. And it's a very interesting way to uh, take another look at the making of that film. And then we're going to, you know, we, we followed that with uh, the, the deleted scenes from blue velvet, which there's about an hour of. Wow. That's amazing. So that's just one of the many things that's happening. Now I do want to talk a little bit about some of the other movies. Now we're, we're, uh, so many people were like, Oh, I'm so surprised that the straight story is a David Lynch movie, you know? Uh, and, and, you know, it, it, because it's rated G and there's, you know, there's no weirdness. In, well, it's, there's some weirdness in it, but you know, that to me, like people who don't think that well, that's really an unusual film for David Lynch to make, don't really understand David Lynch in my opinion. Um, because that's a David Lynch movie through and through. Would you agree? Absolutely. I, yeah. you know, uh, people talk about it as being an outlier, but to me, it has all the signature things about his work in it. Uh, yep. all, all of them. Yep. Yeah, and it's a and it's a, it's an incredible movie with uh, you know two amazing performances. Uh, well, I mean, obviously Farnsworth is amazing, but to see Harry Dean Stanton, and you know, we mentioned Lucky. Uh, some of the actors that he used, uh, uh, you know, a lot uh, in his films. Talk, talk a little bit about some of some of the great actors and actresses that Lynch uses over and over again. I mean, my God, Laura Dern, the work that she does with him, my God. 
you know? Yeah. Well, Laura Dern is, uh, you know, a force of nature and yeah. everything that she's in is better because she's in it. Yeah. And then, you know, there's Jack Nance who is just, you know, uh, a powerhouse actor. And uh, we've got a documentary that we're, we're showing about him called, I don't know, Jack. And the producer of that uh, happens to be the um, magician from Mulholland drive. So he's going to be there to present both of those things. So cool. Um, uh, who else, you know, Kyle McLaughlin, of course, but uh uh, you know, um, well, Harry Dean, Stanton, Harry Dean Stanton, Harry Dean Stanton, yeah, Harry Dean Stanton. Uh, you know, uh, so uh, there's a scene in, that just kills me every time I watch Wild at Heart that involves Harry Dean Stanton. Uh, that just destroys me every time I watch it. Um, but there's just so much to talk about. Okay, now Twin Peaks. Um, you will be showing Firewalk with me. What is going to consist of the Twin Peaks celebration that you're doing? Okay, so uh, we have. Firewalk with me on 35 millimeter, obviously we have an extended pre-show of a lot of very interesting, uh, you know, material that is hard to find, hard to see, and is going to be really fun on the big screen. We have uh, glassworks coffee has done a special, uh, roast just for the event. Mm-hmm. And I, you can buy that coffee and it has comes with a download of three David Lynch, uh, you know, themes that I recorded myself, uh, we have Bang Bang Pie Shop coming to uh, have cherry pie available for everybody. Fantastic. And there's a there's a guest that is going to be there that I can't say anything about. It's not a person though, so don't get excited. But okay. it's it is worth getting excited about in a very different way. Okay. Uh, but you have to be there for it. Firewalk and, with me and the t- oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And then uh, and then we're going to be showing some other things I also can't talk about. Yeah. Uh, but if you can kind of just, you know, ask yourself in your heart what 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 related to Twin Peaks you might like to see on the big screen, uh, the answer is probably true. Okay. And we'll be showing that late into the night. All right. Well, that goes on to the night. And again, all of this happens. Uh, it started last night. It continues through the 14th. Tickets are available uh, and the schedule is there. It's loaded. If you're a David Lynch fan, you cannot afford to miss this. It's at the Music Box Theater. Check out musicboxtheater.com. Let's talk a little bit, uh, Daniel, about um, uh, Twin Peaks The Return. Um, now, uh, when it debuted in uh, 2017 on Showtime, um, I pretty much lost my mind. I thought it was incredible. And I think a lot of the people who watched Twin Peaks on ABC, I think were just probably, if they're not big, huge Lynch fans, were probably like, what? Especially if they haven't seen Firewalk with me. Yeah. Um, we're probably like, what? And I thought it was brilliant. Um, and I just want to say this. Um, episode eight of The Return is the greatest thing I've ever seen on my television fucking ever. <laughs> And when it ended, when it ended, and I watched, this is how I, because I used to host an overnight show on WGN, Daniel. So I'd get home around five o'clock in the morning and Twin Peaks was on Sunday nights on uh, Showtime. Right. So every Monday morning for those weeks, I would come home and I would immediately watch Twin Peaks and just be beside myself with pure joy during every episode. But my God, episode eight, I immediately watched it again. Like it, it ended immediately from the start. Went to bed, slept for a few hours, got up again, and I watched it again. <laughs> Where do you, episode eight of Twin Peaks, The Return, is one of the greatest things ever in the history of anything. I agree. Well, <laughs> I, let, me first, let me first answer 
to what you said earlier about the dissatisfaction with some of the return. Because yeah. let's go back to Fire Walk With Me, that moment in the opening credits when we're literally leaving the television to yep. be in the movies yep. and then smashing it. The statement that that makes, we're no longer on TV, this is a different world that we're in, yep. is, is very potent. And people just didn't get it. And, and, but some did, you know, and, and so to me, the return is, is an extension of that. And, uh, you know, when, when, when the return was airing, I was still, uh, projecting at the, at the music box and I, I would come in on Sunday nights and run it on the big screen for myself. Oh, that's, dude. That's how I saw episode. Oh, oh man, you yeah. bastard. I know it was one of the luxuries of, uh, of that. And I had a few, you know, once, sometimes some friends would come by, but it was usually just me in there watching, oh. watching Twin Peaks, you know, new Twin Peaks on the big yeah. screen as a well, movie. So, so you saw episode eight on the big screen then? For the first time I did. Dude, yeah. you're killing me. You're killing me. You are killing me. Oh, anyway. Well, right, well, you know, let me just, let me just tell you that you, you, you probably, you're probably you're probably going to want to come on Tuesday night. Uh, yeah, I would imagine so. I, I would imagine so. Tuesday night is when you're doing that. Tuesday night is when I'm doing something interesting. Okay. Well, all right, Tuesday. Daniel, I will see you Tuesday night. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> hey, it's let's talk. Long, it's a long one, so just be prepared. For no, that. I'm, hey, man. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm, no, listen, I'm, when it comes to Twin Peaks, I'm, I'm, I dive in head first, my friend. Okay. And I can't even explain to you how much that eighth episode, honest to God, the eighth episode of Twin Peaks to Return is one of my favorite things that's ever been made in the world. Oh, mine too. <laughs> I, I can't, it's unbelievable. All right. So before I let you go, you got a gig coming up at the Hungry Brain, which I believe is probably sold out. It is sold out at this point, yeah. Okay. Well, but you. St- but let's talk a little bit about your music. People can hear your music. You're a well-known musician. By the way, I want I, I want you to say hi to Brendan uh, Weatherby for me. He's also a, a buddy of mine. Oh, I sure will. And uh, and say hello to him, Esmeralda Leon. By the way, who is whose birthday is today? And I'm just going to be celebrating with her right after we uh, oh. we let you go. Um, but talk about your music. You're a musician, a songwriter, all that stuff. How did you begin that? And and tell everybody how they can hear your music. Well, you can find my music at uh, DanielKnox.bandcamp.com, and I'm also on Spotify and all the uh, you know whatever it is you use to listen to music. I um, I've been a songwriter for a long time. Uh, it's been one of the things that like Music Box has been so good about letting me. They let me you know when I work there, they let me go on tour for long periods of time and come back and always have a job. Um, but I uh, yeah, I write songs. I, I do sometimes I do film score work, and uh, I just. Uh, finished recording a record yesterday at Electrical Audio. Uh, I was doing some sessions there. So that'll probably come out in December. And um, I did do a Twin Peaks record called Half Heart Songs yeah. from Twin Peaks. You can mm-hmm. buy on a uh, cassette or digital. And I I, I send everybody who buys one a, an original uh, Twin Peaks trading card because I have that many of them. So I, <laughs> I, send, I send, send them out to people when, whenever they buy one. I'll have those for available for sale at the theater as well. And those are going to be available at the theater. And you will be there every night during this entire uh, week. Um, I will be introducing every single show for the next okay. All right. Well, listen, Daniel, uh, I, I, I love uh, this whole idea of you uh, dedicating a week uh, of David Lynch. And I love the music box for letting you do it, man. Because the, they, the thing that I love about the music box is that they know what they're doing. Like, they care. That's the thing about the music box. The people that run that theater... They give a shit. They really do about the movies they, really they show and about the way they show them. Um, so I just, I, you know, uh, I'm beside myself. And you know that the night after your thing closes, they're going to show the thing. John Carpenter's the thing. Oh. 
Are they? Um, yes. <laughs> yes. They oh, are. Man, I hope it's, I, I, mean, I hope my concert gets done in time for me to go see. There's that. I well, I will tell you this. There's a midnight show on the 15th. I know your show's the 15th. There's a midnight right. show the 15th. There's a midnight show the 16th, but they're also doing shows during the following week. Cause it's a 4k restoration. Oh, 40th, nice. 40th anniversary of the thing. Last time we showed the that I showed the thing there, we we had a seventy millimeter print of it, but it was like not in the best condition. But yeah. it's still cool to see it that yeah. way. Yeah, well, it's it's unbelievable. So it's going to be an incredible couple of weeks at the Music Box, and check out the schedule. Full, incredible David Lynch related schedule. Uh, different every night, and uh, Daniel's going to be there every night. Musicboxtheater.com. Uh, Daniel, I will. Uh, I'm going to be stopping by at some point to see a bunch of stuff, but I will definitely be there. Uh, on Tuesday for the uh, for the Twin Peaks stuff for sure. Well, say hi. I'll be I'll be around. I will. Daniel Knox, thanks, buddy. DanielKnox.com is your website, and uh, and everybody can check out the stuff there in connection to the mu- to the music. And you continue to record music, and everybody should check out your songs and uh, and your music. And uh, Hungry Brain, well, you're sold out, but anyway, you're going to be there. So there you go. Daniel, thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me. Okay, absolutely. There is. Uh, uh, Daniel Knox and, uh, and uh, check out the Music Box Theater with the David Lynch uh, extravaganza that will be happening uh, until the 14th. Uh, Esmeralda Leon is going to join me and it's going to be her birthday so let's uh, hear that theme right Esmeralda, now. Esmeralda Yeah Esmeralda Leon Yeah Esmeralda I'm talking about that Esmeralda Esmeralda Leon Yeah, Esma, Esma time. Uh, whenever you hear that theme, you know it's time for uh, Esmeralda Leon, and uh, Esma is here. Hi, Esma, how are you? Hi, I'm doing good. All right. Hey, happy birthday, because today is Friday, not Thursday. Like, yeah. no, it's not really. It's not Thursday. Tomorrow. It, your birthday is no. not tomorrow. It's, it's today. today. Friday. It's Friday. Today. <laughs> happy birthday, Esma. Well, thank you. All right. You you look good for 24. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's 22, but. Oh, whatever. I'm sorry. Shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, you never no. ask a we never ask a woman her age, and I thought it was twenty four. I apologize. Uh, wow. I'm sorry. Well, that's quite a. I don't care. I know. I'm actually. Don't. I'm actually quite. I was looking myself in the mirror, and I was like, not too bad. Not yeah. too shabby. I've no, seen you, people. I've seen people my age. I will be thirty nine. By the way, you no, you are today. Remember? Yes. <laughs> well, wait. What um, time were you well, born? What this, time? What time were you born? Like one, one in the afternoon. PM. So oh, not well, yet. Yeah. Okay. No, because this will be. A, this is now. Oh, sorry. This is. This will be. This is now available at seven a.m. People are listening. Yeah. At 7 so I'll still so technically be thirty-eight. Not have been born yet. Right. So thirty-nine. <laughs> yeah. No, yes. you look fantastic uh, for oh, any well, thank age. Thank you. So uh, there well, you thank go. Thank you. I don't even remember what it was like <laughs> to be thirty-nine. Jesus. Uh, God, I'm old. You're an old, old man, Nick. Hey, listen, will you know? I am just an old man trying to get some wedges. Yeah, see? <laughs> You'll be playing this soon. I am just an old man trying to get some wedges. 
Are you looking forward to next year? Is that going to be a big one for you? Because I remember when I turned 40, we I went to go see Pat Benatar, which seemed like a... Oh. It was like my, my ex-girlfriend, my, who was going... It's soon to be my ex-wife, uh, and m- myself <laughs> and a few other people went to the House of Blues and we saw um, uh, Pat Benatar, which seemed like an appropriate thing for someone turning 40 to do. Someone of that age, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because she see Pat Benatar. Yeah, because she hit she hit her popularity when I was a teenager. You know, when I was like seventeen or eighteen. You know, so it seemed like, oh yeah, turn forty, go see Pat Benatar. That that makes sense. That I mean, yeah, yeah. And you enjoy Pat Benatar? Oh God, please. Well, there you go. <laughs> I don't love her as much as this woman. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Yes. So you know what's going to happen when you turn forty? What's that? This. I think I broke my ass. That's what's going to happen when you. Oh, that's already like <laughs> things are happening. Yeah. And I'm just like, why is this hurt? Why does this hurt? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It, it, like it... I woke up and like yep. my neck hurts. I don't know. Yeah. Like I turned and then this thing. And how did it? How mm-hmm. did that happen? I remember I got out of bed one time and I just couldn't stand up. And I'm like, what? And people were like, what'd you do? And I went, I don't know. I woke up. That... <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I, I Luckily, did. I'm not. I'm not that bad, but um, I'm sure I, I look forward to the day when I can just wake yes. up and be in pain. <laughs> it, 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 well, look forward to it because it does happen. I can, I, from experience, I can tell you. Uh, and uh, this is all part of the old Nick D podcast here. And again, uh, if you want to uh, send any messages or any of that kind of cool stuff, voicemail message 773-417-6948. Email nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, so, uh, we are going to talk about, uh, lies that parents or adults tell kids. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to talk about that, but I have some special guests that will be stopping by. Oh, oh, wait a second. Parents? Hold, listen, hold on a minute. <laughs> oh, I have a doorbell. Wow. Should I go see, should I see who's at the door? Sure. Mr. Rogers. All right. <laughs> Jesus. Oh I think I need some oil. For the door. Oh, look who it is. Hey, listen, Esmeralda, look. Hi, Esmeralda. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> this is Nick's mom and dad wishing you a happy birthday. birthday. Have a great day. You're a great asset to Nick's show. You're fun to listen to. Oh, God, yeah. And you're an outstanding young lady. Happy birthday. Bye. All right, so. Thanks, guys. Wait, what cl- did hold he on. say? Me, I was a great ass? Asset. asset. Yeah, asset. asset. Wait, hold okay. on. Let me close. Let me- Bye, guys. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, you need some WD-40 on that door. <laughs> I like wow. my mom. I love my favorite part of that message is my mom in the background. She's like, when you're a great asset to the show, my mom's in the background going, oh, God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that? that? So sweet, I did. No, I did. She's like, "Oh God, yes!" Like, no, like, like if it weren't for you, I wouldn't be listening to that other jag off that you're on with. I can't listen to him. Uh, So we've got so sweet. Okay, well, we have a few more of those coming up uh, that I will scatter. I think the doorbell is going to be ringing a few times during our visit. So, wow. uh, Okay. Um, and I'm sure you won't get any oil. In time. No, I, I can't. I that guess, squeaky I, ass door. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. Wait a minute. Let me try it one more time. Let me open the door. See what it. No. Yeah. No, it's still. It's still wow. There. Now I gotta close it. <laughs> All right. So there. <laughs> nobody there Yikes. yet. 
I'll let you know. The nobody doorbell could op- ever surprise you. No, no, no. They At can, your house. They, no, nobody <laughs> can sneak in. Like, I'm asleep, and all of a sudden I hear, hey, <laughs> the hell's happening? All right. Wow. Anyway. So did you ever have, did your parents or adults ever tell you lies? Um, and you know what I mean. Like, uh, hey, don't swallow bubble gum. It takes 20 years to digest, you know. Um, and don't cross your eyes because they'll stay that way. You know, that kind of stuff. Did you ever have that kind of stuff? For right. You? Um, I had, well, I mean, I guess everybody, well, I don't, I, I guess not every parent threatens their children with this, but, um, <laughs> at least in, in Latin American countries, uh-huh. you, you get the, um, the threat of the boogeyman. Oh, I like this. Of, <laughs> of like, don't like, if you go into said room or don't do that. Um, because the boogeyman will come and get you. But in Spanish, in most Latin American countries, is uh, the name of the boogeyman in Spanish is Cucuy. Cucuy? Yes. So okay. Cucuy is going to get you. Ooh, so that's... like, oh, say you're at someone's house and like you're being a little kid and you're just running around or whatever and you want to go into some room or you're trying to open be like, don't go in there. El Cucuy is in there. Now, the did, Cucuy now... will get you. Or... So... Okay. Some people, to make it a little more updated for the times, I've heard Chucky. Chucky's going to get you. Oh, they've moved on to Chucky. So let me ask you this. It's uh, El Cucuy? Mm-hmm. Okay, what does he look Is there an image? Has there ever know. been an image or anything like that? So you just no, kind of it's picture whatever what... is in your head. Oh, man, that's awesome. That's and awesome. And that's always the threat. Or um, uh, that uh, if you're um, like outside in public... And say you do something bad. Yeah. Uh, parents a lot of times will then uh, point at anyone and go, look at, you see that man over there? He's going to take you. I'm going to give you to him. And he's oh going to take you away. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my Be like, God. if you don't, if you don't act right, I'm going to, he's going to take you. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my yeah. God. And it's so always wait a funny, minute. like, it, it, this so is on like... Instagram, so, so on Instagram and stuff, people, like, now that they're adults, they'll be like, I was out, and this woman pointed at me and said that I will take her child away. I'm now that man. <laughs> oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And now, is this specific? And, of course, those are lies, because no one's going to No, actually... of course, of course not. But, I mean, are, are those terror, is, is it, is part of the Latin culture to scare the shit out of your kids? Is I that... guess so. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. So I thought it was weird. That, you know what my mom used to say? Hmm. Was that, get, you know, because you you, the reason why you lie to kids is you don't want them to do certain things. You know, right. obviously, yeah. you know, they, they're trying to keep you out of a room or trying to keep you from going downstairs. From or trouble. Doing from trouble. <laughs> so they're always trying to keep you away from what they lie to you. Like, you know, but my mom would mm-hmm. always say, hey, and I don't know if this is specific because my mom grew up in... Southern Illinois on a farm, okay? And mm-hmm. and my mom still says wash instead of wash. Yeah. Because she, she says wash. So I don't know if this is specific, that, but she used to say that, hey, if you play with matches, you'll pee the bed. Have you ever, wow. Have you ever heard that? No. No. <laughs> that was the Usually thing. Usually it was don't play with matches because you will burn the house down. No, she would just go right to pee the bed. <laughs> He's like, you you play with matches, you're going to pee the bed. Did you ever play with matches? You go, mm, I'll risk it. No, I never really did. I guess I didn't want to pee the bed. Um, you're real, but you're like, no, I don't no, want to do that. I, I don't want to pee the bed. And I really don't know what the connection between matches and peeing the bed is. Um, and it how just that seems happened. like it would, it would be not good. 
It's a deterrent. I didn't play with matches. Yeah. I didn't want to piss. I mean, the it's bed, not so. good to pee the bed. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I no, it doesn't sound very pleasant, does it? No. No. So, it's so a that's very the kind minimal of, threat, though. Um, but but that's the kind of that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. But I've got yeah. this this article that I sent to you. Some of these mm-hmm. are 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 absolutely ridiculous. Um, but I do want to tell you a quick story that my uncle, when I was about eight or nine years old, my uncle told me a lie about Walgreens. Mm-hmm. He told me, Hey, you know why it's called Walgreens, right? And then I'm like eight or nine and I'm like, no, why? And he said, because when the first stores opened up back in like the twenties or something, when the very first stores opened up, all the walls were painted green in the store. And that's why it's called Walgreens. They wanted to uh, separate themselves from other stores and pharmacies. So they painted all the walls green. And that's why it's called Walgreens, because all the walls were painted green. (laughs) All right. So I'm like eight or nine. And, you know, a nine-year-old, you know, oh, Walgreens, green walls. In a nine-year-old's head, that kind of makes sense. seems plausible. Okay. So cut to this. And I'm not bullshitting you, Esmeralda. Cut to me being about 22 or 23 in a party full Mm -hmm. of people around my age in their 20s. And some, the subject of Walgreens came up and this is me and I'm not kidding you. Hey, uh, you guys know why it's called Walgreens, right? In a room full of 23 year olds and I'm 23 (laughs) and I go, and they go, what, what do you, what, what? And I'm like, you know why it's called Walgreens, right? And there, and then one of the guys humors me and goes, no, why, why Nick? Why is it, why is it called Walgreens? And I said, with a straight face, because when the first stores opened up, all the walls were painted green. And there's a long pause in the room, and one of my friends goes, what the fuck is wrong with you? And, and I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, all the walls were painted green. What are you talking about? And I'm like, yeah, that's what I heard. I heard that all the walls were painted green back when the stores opened up. He goes, you, are, you, are you drunk? Is there something wrong with you? And I'm like, no. He's like, you, and then I kind of, and then it hits me. Like, it came out of my mouth after I said it, and I was like, oh, man, Wow. And he's like, you idiot, there was a family called Walgreen. And they opened up a pharmacy, and that's why it's called Walgreens. It's not because the walls were fucking painted green, you idiot. And so I'm like, and at that moment, I wanted to find my uncle, who my my aunt had divorced by that point, so he was a long, long way. And I wanted to kill him. And but here's have you the ever, Have you ever been um con- have you ever confronted him? No, because he, my, I, the guy was a jag off, and he's out of the, he's out of the family forever. So no, oh, okay, never confronted him, never had the chance to confront him because he's long gone. But anyway, that but like the thing was that can you imagine? This is me, honest to God. From the point that I heard that story at eight or nine till I was twenty two, I believed it, or it was in my head. Right, and I actually no, said yeah. that. That's how stupid I am. I was like, yeah, with no sense of irony. I'm not joking. And I'm like, yeah, all the walls were painted green. And everybody in the room just looks at me like, what the fuck is wrong with Nick? Is he okay? <laughs> so that's not, now that's one of those lies that a little kid believes. And then years later, the joke pays off. You know what I mean? It took a long time for my uncle's, you know, the joke to pay off for him. It did. And he didn't even get to hear it. <laughs> he didn't get to hear. Oh, well, oh, oh, hold on. Oh, no. Hold on a second. Oh. Let me, let me, let me see what it's here now. <laughs> hey, look who it is! Esmeralda George from Gale Street. Happy, happy Aww. day to you. <laughs> I wish you nothing but the best all day long, all weekend long. 
and I hope uh, I hope it's great. If you're ever in the neighborhood over here by uh, Jefferson Park, you can grab your friend Patty and swing on by for uh, some dinner and some drinks. We'd love to see you guys inside again. Okay, great. Happy, happy birthday. There you go. Look at that. Oh, Aww, close, close that's so in. sweet, George. <laughs> <laughs> I use They're very polite, by the way. Everybody shuts the door. Yeah. No, that's me. I have to get up every time. Oh, you have to door. shut it. I yeah, see. Okay. That's me. So they literally just stick their head in and then run away. They stick away. their head in, say something, and then they walk out. And I close it's it It's a up. very laugh-in situation. It is. It's exactly what it is. <laughs> Artie Johnson, by the way, Artie Johnson was here before. Uh, I don't know if you know that or not. Oh. But anyway. No. But yeah, so there you go. They're from George <laughs> says hi. So, oh, that's very sweet. Yeah. So Thanks, it's, George. It's Esmeralda's birthday. The doorbell's going to be ringing and the door's going to be creaking. <laughs> okay. How about, here are some lies that, now, did you, did you looked at this article, right, that we're, we're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have, do you have some favorites that, that jumped out at you or, or anything that you... Uh, I do in particular like the one where uh, the dad said that Pulp Fiction was a documentary about oranges so that <laughs> they wouldn't watch the movie. Yeah, that's uh, a good one. I was told, I was, see, mine was a, an opposite. Um, I watched it anyway. But because they told me it was a comedy, my brother told me uh, he watched Pet Cemetery with me because he told me it was a comedy. Oh, man. And then I watched it and then with the head and the, yeah. You know what's the scariest <laughs> part of that movie? I, I actually... Guy with the head. I don't remember the... He had the head. He had like half of his head missing. Oh, yeah. It was like the guide. Yeah. Fr- <laughs> it was like, uh, hello. Yeah, Fred me. or whatever his name was. He was the, yeah, <laughs> the guy who came back from the dead. Um, that, by the way, that book for me, that's mm-hmm. the scare. that's the scariest book that Stephen King has ever written. I don't think it's the scariest Stephen King movie, mm-hmm. but, but I remember well, it reading- was when I was like 10. No, 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 no. no I understand that. <laughs> and there are still things in the original Pet Cemetery, the remake of which I actually don't hate either because they remade the movie. Oh, oh, um, they did. Oh. A, a few years ago. Yeah. And it was, um, John Lithgow played the Fred Gwynn role. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, the the sick woman, uh, and I can't remember her name, but she was like mm-hmm. she was sick and she looked like a witch. I remember mm-hmm. her being really scary. Um, but but I remember reading that book and it scared the shit out of me. That book really scared me to the point yeah, where I, I never like, had, read scary books. Oh man, <laughs> it's sometimes it's you know Pet Cemetery scared the shit out of me. And you know you know our old buddy Vic Vaughn, yes, uh, the our news guy that we worked with. Mm-hmm. He talked about how he he couldn't be in the same room with that book. Like he when oh, wow. he was reading it, he had to put it down and leave. He had to leave the room. It really, Esmeralda, if you're, it's really scary. And yeah, when I've never it, read scary, but it's just never been a thing. So maybe I should uh, take up some Stephen King novels. Stephen King, great. I mean, I started, I, I you know, as a kid, because uh, my, my favorite writer of all time is Edgar Allan Poe. I think you know that. Mm-hmm. And so I started reading Poe at a really young age. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and Poe's language, m- much of it was incomprehensible to me at that time. I didn't kind of quite understand it. Yeah. Uh, but I but I was into horror and all that stuff. So I started reading that stuff at a really young age. But yeah, read some Stephen King. Uh, some scary shit, uh, you know. But yeah, so Pet Cemetery. It was a comedy. <laughs> That's <laughs> what they lied to you about? My brother's a dick. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Uh, how about this one? I like this one. Lies that their parents tell their kids on this article that I have at Bored Panda, by the way. Boredpanda.com is one of the ones. 
uh, they don't sell replacement batteries for this toy. Oh, that's very smart. So it's like the toy you it it sucks. It's one of those toys that makes noise or it's really annoying, and yeah. you don't and and you have no patience for your kid playing with this really annoying electric toy. So you say, ah, yeah, they don't have batteries for this. No replacement battery. That's pretty good. It's very smart. I mean, because yeah. you can use that for a lot of things. Yeah, <laughs> you could. You could. Yeah, absolutely. Or you like, could just get rid of the like if something has a plug. And you don't, and you can just unplug, you know, and it has like an adapter or whatever. Take and just it right be like, out. It's gone. Sorry. It's gone forever. Don't know what happened. Sorry. Sorry. It's broken. Uh, Can't fix it. Any, any, uh, any other ones stand out for you here? Um, I do enjoy the ones where they tell the kids something like, just like that, where it's like, it's broken. Um, there's the, my parents got me to eat calamari by calling it Italian onion rings. <laughs> because <laughs> you know like as you get older it's gonna be kind of like a walgreens situation <laughs> yeah it is. they're gonna see calamari and be like oh italian onion rings Italian onion rings. that's not squid you're eating those are onion rings yeah uh yeah i never you know that was one of those things now were you a picky eater when you were a kid esmeralda not really um just no spice i didn't eat a lot of seafood but yeah. I, I don't think most kids don't eat. I eat the reg, you know, shrimp, lobster, fish crab. sticks, and stuff like that. Yeah, fish sticks. I would eat fish too. Um, but there was just like you know the squids, the calamaris, um, that kind of stuff. Oysters. I was. It was always gross to me. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, I ate. I ate all my veggies. Yep. I was pretty good about that. Yeah, me too. My parents never had any issues, you know, with me as a kid. I mean, like, uh, I loved my vegetables, especially spinach was my favorite and still is. And I like I know, asparagus. And uh, I like, I love asparagus too. Look, I love li- that was liver. my favorite. Liver and onions was my favorite when I was a kid. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Do you still like it? Oh, I love liver and onions. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I cannot with the, uh, that, that blood taste. Yeah. That, like, oh, I love it. I love it, man. I love it. <laughs> so, like, the, they never had to threaten me with lies about food. You know what I mean? I would always eat, like, a lot of people are like, hey, if you don't eat your spinach, your balls are going to fall. I don't know. They'll make some... right. They wouldn't say that, but I mean, but they would make something up. Like, you know, like, uh, you better eat your carrots because you, you'll go blind because carrots were supposed to be good for your eyes. Yeah. You know, so there's always still like, are. oh, yeah, but, but like your parents <laughs> would say, they would go so far as to say, if you don't eat your carrots, you'll be blind by the time you're 15. You know what I mean? They would say something like that. To get you that to, to me, that just seems so far off when you're little. To be just like, to hell with it. I'll be blind. <laughs> yeah. I don't care if I can see. I'm not eating this crap. Yeah. <laughs> All right. How about this one? Um, let's see. My flatmate grew up on a farm and was told by her parents that their TV only worked when it rained. Wow. So the only time that they could watch, because they lived on a farm, the only time they could watch TV was when it was raining because they couldn't go outside. Yeah. I like that, though. Again, <laughs> tricking your kids. Yeah. That's... <laughs> also, it kind of tells you, like, how gullible is your kid? That's the other thing. It's like, really, how much will your kid believe? How far can you go Because there's some who kid? are, they're wily kids and they get it. They're like, mm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> clearly, I'm a, I'm a dipshit because I thought the, all the walls were painted fucking green and a Walgreens. So you could pretty much, <laughs> I mean, anybody who, you know, like, hey, you know, it's, yeah, it's, I'm 23 years old, Esmeralda, in a, at a party with a bunch of other 23-year-olds. 
It would have been I, even better if through your life, that was always your your point of like fun fact thing. Yeah, that walls and just walls, everywhere walls, you yeah. went, you'd be yeah. going to the Walgreens and be like, "Hey, you know, did you know?" <laughs> a, a long time ago, all the walls were painted green in this place. I was just there to get my booster shot. Um, I mean, they would love you at the Walgreens. They would. All and the, I was very... the front desk people would be like, "Uh huh, uh huh, yeah, that's great." No, but I mean, I was called out <laughs> on it immediately. And by the way, I'm still friends with a few of those people that were in that room, and I still get shit. It was like 35 years ago. I mean, yeah. But no, justifiably, they're like, hey, yeah, hey, yeah. moron, remember when we were at that party and you said without a sense of irony that all the walls were painted green in Walgreens and that's why it's called Walgreens? Do you remember that, you moron? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry, I'll leave now. It's a very traumatic thing. I did. Uh-oh. Oh, oh, no. Hold on, let me get up now. Hold on, uh-oh. Okay, that was just my knees, so let me get to the door. <laughs> Oh, look who it is. Oh, hi. Hi. Hello, Nick. It's your good pal. You know him. It's Slap Slapley giving you a call because I've heard, I've been told, there's a young woman who we all know and we all love who is celebrating a birthday. That's right. It's Esma, Esmeralda Leon. It is your old pal, Slap Slapley. And I just wanted to say... The happiest, happiest birthday to you, Esma. I love you very, very much. I love playing for the record with you, even though you have no bloody idea what a one-hit wonder is. We'll leave that in the past. Come on over to the submarine. I'll be doing a tour around the Great Lakes for the next you know, week or so. We can watch uh, submarine films. I've got Run Fast, Run Deep, Run Silent, Run Deep, something like that. I've got Crimson Tide. Uh, I've got Down Periscope. Only the best Uh-oh. for you, Asma. I love you. Happy birthday from your old friend, Slap Slapley. Okay. Oh, was, uh, oh, oh Slap. He, he left the door oh. open. Damn it. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. Well, there's Slap. You know, his friend Tom had a little little bit of a shake-up at his work the other, yeah, the other day. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, he's still there though. No, no worries. Yeah, well, the bones, you know. Yeah, you can't get rid of the bones. You can't. You can't. <laughs> so anyway, so Slap uh, said uh, happy birthday to you. There you go. That's lovely. Oh, all right. Thank you. How about this is a lie to tell your kids, Esmeralda? Mm-hmm. I was told that every person only gets ten thousand words per month, and if you reach your limit, you physically will not be able to speak until a new month began. And so my I dad like- would say. <laughs> So my dad would say, careful, you're at 9,500 words. I do enjoy that. Also, it uh, teaches you to uh, budget. Budget your words. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, that's uh, good. I still can't get past... I like what, these. What's the evil uh, Latin demon again? What's his name? Kukui. Oh, I like him. Why didn't they make a movie? Ooh, why boy. haven't they made? Why haven't they have they made a movie? Is there like a Spanish um, language probably movie? Not. Well, because he's just. I mean, Kukui is just like is just Boogeyman. Yeah, but they've made Boogeyman movies. Uh, why oh not wait, make it... there there is there is. is. There, oh, I gotta see it. Uh, it's called Kukui yeah. colon the Boogeyman. <laughs> oh, okay, what year is it? What's the info on? Uh, it? it came hear... out in 2018. Oh, so it's new. It's relatively new then. Yes. Anybody see. of note in it? Um, when children, it, oh good lord! When children it. start disappearing, a rebellious teen under house arrest uh, sus- 
uh, starts to suspect that a legendary evil, a boogeyman known as the Kukui, might be responsible. I got to see this, man. You have to see it, Esmeralda. You have to see this. Oh, God. This is your childhood trauma come to life on the big screen. <laughs> uh, what else does it, does it say if it's out there? It's called, what's it called? And, and, and spell it for me, please. Uh, C-U-C-U-Y, and then call in the boogeyman. C-U-C-U-Y. Yes. Okay. Boogeyman. Okay. From 2008. I guess you can watch it on bravotv.com. Oh, they must have used this as part of the Eli Roth horror series then. Because they, oh, that's, why that's why it's part of Bravo, probably. Because Bravo, every year around Halloween, they do the Eli Roth history of horror. Mm-hmm. Where uh, Eli Roth interviews a whole bunch of uh, horror genre people. Actors, yeah. actresses, people, fans. And they talk about their favorite movies. And maybe this is one that got mentioned on that episode. Oh, yeah, maybe. Oh, I got um, Yeah, you can watch it on Hulu. If you got the it's hoodies. on Hulu. Okay, cool. I, you know what? As soon as we're done, I'm watching Kukui the, the Boogie. <laughs> Kukui yeah. the Boogeyman. I am so watching. But yeah, he it. was just yeah, and yeah, I mean, you know, you use it for pretty much anything. Yeah. No, that's Don't great. Don't do that because the Kukui will come and get you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like I said, I I've heard people, you know, people probably my age, maybe a little young. Well, no, probably like my age, maybe a little older, would yeah. use uh Chucky will get you. <laughs> Yeah, I can see that. When the Chucky movies that. were out. I bet, I bet, you know what? I bet Freddy is, is used that way, too. I bet little kids, if you say, hey, Freddy Krueger's in the bedroom there, you know. True, which is quite frightening because he comes in your dreams. He does. <laughs> I know. I, I, I would bet that movie because th- that first movie is still scary. That first that first Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. is legitimately a scary-ass movie. The other ones were silly, got sillier as they went along. Some of them oh, are good. Oh, of course. But the first one is really legitimately scary. Yeah. I'm so. also the 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 last one also scares me. The which one? The um the the Night- last one where uh Heather Langenkamp is playing herself. Yeah, new nightmare. That you know why? Yes. Cuz Wes Craven came back to direct that one. Oh, well there you <laughs> Those, go. That's it. And <laughs> now I agree with you. That and uh, new nightmare is fantastic. It's great. Those are the two yeah. best of the series. Well, I mean it you know, it's telling because Wes Craven directed those two. <laughs> those are the only ones he directed. <laughs> the late, great Wes Craven, God bless him. Scares the shit out of a lot of people. That's good, though. Scare your kids, man. Scare the shit out of them. Yeah, that's the only way. Trick them. Trick this em. is also good if, if anybody listening is new parents or learn their to, kids are getting to the age yeah, where you learn, can they understand your... <laughs> um, okay, how about Just this lie, one? My... Lies on lies. That's all you need. This one, I think, is <laughs> this one's not mean. So my father always said that the animals that were on the side of the road were just taking a nap because the road was nice and warm. That's very, that's very sweet. Yeah. That's a good way to avoid speaking about death to a child. Yeah. 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 yeah it's also uh, like, what, what if like a, a, a young kid, like a, you know, like a, a four year or five year old goes, daddy, uh, uh, what, where do babies come from? And then what do the you do? Do you, stork. you do the stork thing or do you go, right? well, your mom and I had sex one night and then nine oh. months later you came flying out of her vagina. Is that the way to go? Or I don't know because I didn't get that <laughs> talk. I was just told, don't do it. Or cool is going to get you or whatever. The... Cool. 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 So repeat. There you go. Cool. So so that don't have <laughs> sex because 
don't have sex because Kukui will get you. Kukui will come and get you. Yeah. Um, and let so to the other end of your very sweet lie. Yeah. There's a very scary one. Okay. My dad told me oil stains on the street were little kids that got run over. Oh my god! They didn't hold anyone's hand while crossing the street. That's the best. I like that the is... scary one. No, no, that's the best thing I've ever heard in my life. I like, that is I the like be- these that's the where best. They threaten. Thing. That's the best thing I've ever heard in my life. That the oil stains on the street are what? Uh, they are they're little kids that got run over because they didn't <laughs> hold anyone's hand while crossing the street. Yes. I'm surprised that you are not terrified of everything right now, Esmeralda. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was either. So, yeah, it's either the man's going to come and get you. Yeah. You don't behave. Right. I'm going to give you to that man. Yep. Or um, some people also use the police. <laughs> They'll be police like, the are going to come are get coming. you. It's like, wow. oh my god! And they better hold your hand if you're crossing the street, because otherwise you're going to get smashed by a car and be an oil. And then, then you'll just be a stain on the ground. Oh, it's like, man. wow! Oh, hold on a minute. Wait a minute. Let me hold on. Uh, oh, <laughs> here we go. Esmeralda Leon, always my favorite part of the show. Well, don't get me wrong; I love Nick, but I like you better. Uh, it's Steve Cochran. I hope all is great in oh your life. God. It's great to hear you and Nick together. And I hope you have a great birthday. There you go. That's very sweet. Yeah, it took you co- oh, wait, let me close the door. No, that was just Steve's back. Hold on. Let me. All right. Oh. All right. So, Mr. Cochran stopping by. That's to say very hello. sweet. Yeah, because yeah. I never really, I worked with him a little bit, but not too much. Only when I would like fill in in the mornings and stuff. Yeah. He was always lovely. He's a great guy. A That's great very guy. sweet. So, all right. Uh, anything else on the board panda list that you like that doesn't involve threatening death to your child? Oh, here's okay. Well, well, actually, um, these are my. I like these ones though. Uh, my grandma would point at the armored money trucks outside stores and tell me that those are the trucks that take misbehaving children away. Jesus, <laughs> I love it. I love it. There are so many of these lies that are just, they exist to scare the crap out of kids. Scared straight. Oh, yeah, for sure. Scared straight. Um, Here's another one, which is great and very frightening, actually. My parents told me that if I pushed the reset button on the power outlet, the house would explode. Ooh. (laughs) That's so, man. The whole house would just go up. Yep. Oh, my Jesus. (laughs) That's a lot. Man. That is a lot. Holy cow. All right, how about this? Grandpa told me that there's a tube connecting my belly button to my butt, and that if I unscrew my belly button, my butt will fall off. Wow. That's a little complicated, don't you Don't you think? It's a lot because it's from behind. Yeah, that would go through you. And and then if you un- unscrew your belly button, your butt falls off. I don't. To me, I just imagine it would if it w- if you were to unscrew your belly button, uh, then your butt just like, it falls off, but it's just dangling because there's like oh. a string or something to pull it back. <laughs> wow! All right, that's that's a lot though. That is a, that's a little much for a kid to take. How about this one? If you don't uh, learn how to read, your voice disappears. That's <laughs> that. I mean, you know, I'm sure there are better ways to get kids to read, but <laughs> your voice disappears. That'll work too, I guess. I guess. Here's a good one. You ready for this one, Esmeralda? Mm-hmm. 
My dad used to tell me that Santa was always got sick of milk and cookies, so he wanted Doritos and beer. <laughs> oh wow! I mean, he's probably. I mean, that's not probably that far off. Well, yeah. I mean, all those you know, cookies, the, milk. Come yeah, on, come on. You know, I mean, like all the dads across America have to eat a bunch of cookies and drink a bunch of milk every night. You know, to make it's it like, look like I want a savory beer. <laughs> I want some beer and some Doritos. Can we get away from that? You know, so this year Santa likes whiskey and Slim Jims, so get that out there, will you? <laughs> uh, here's another one. Again, these are all grandmas, so I'm I'm all for the old school. Uh, Scare parenting. the shit out of kids. Yeah. Okay. Grandma said, "If you wander off, the boogeyman will kill you and make you into sausage." Well, they go so far as sausage. Yeah. Oh, so did Kukuyu make anything? Did he make you? Did he? Nah, he just <laughs> no took you away, and God knows what he did. Again, yeah. it's all whatever your imagination uh, comes up with. <laughs> <laughs> so, if anything, parents were making their kids be a little more creative. Okay, imaginative. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. How about uh, my mom always asked my brother's kindergarten teacher what he had done during the day. And then back at home, she would speak with him about these things, telling him that she had a special channel on her TV where she could watch him all day long. So. Wow. So the mom was just sitting, sitting around watching her kid on TV. <laughs> uh, I enjoy this one about Chuck E. Cheese. My oh, dad what, always that... told me he was terrified of mice. Uh, so he couldn't go to Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, I see. Now that's good. That's good. <laughs> no, that's good. Because who the hell? Well, you know, hey, you, I, I don't know if we, if we talked about this, but there used to be like a Chuck E. You know how they got the Chuck E. Cheese knockoff places? Mm-hmm. You know, that aren't Chuck E. Cheese, but it's like party oh, zone for kids. Oh, yeah. And, okay. And, yeah, yeah. And there, are, and, and there was a place that was notorious on, on Harlem Avenue right next to the Norwich Theater. And I can't remember the name of it, but it was mm-hmm. like the kids party hut or whatever. And, like, fights used to break out there all the time. People would get shit-faced, and parents would fight and flip tables and stuff, you know, while their kids were supposed to have, you know, fun. Yeah. They finally closed that place down because the Norwich cops were tired of going there because there was a disturbance, like, every other week. Oh, wow. Parents would get shit-faced because they had to sit there and listen to their kids, and there'd be nothing but kids running around. And the parents, in order to cope, would have booze. I remember when they were going to take oh, of booze, course. When they were going to take beer and uh, uh, out of Chuck E. Cheese— like parents went nuts. They started like a petition. <laughs> you can't, yeah, because what else are you gonna do there? Exactly. <laughs> Be like, I can't even. I can't even go play in the things. No, so. <laughs> I can't. No, and I don't want to see these animatronic rats. I, I don't want to see that. Uh oh. Oh, hold on. Wait a minute. Let me get over there for a set here. Oh, uh, ooh, it's a group. Hmm. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Esmeralda. Happy birthday to you. Esmeralda, happy birthday from the Shagru family. Nick D, hope you're doing well. Esmeralda, hope you're doing well. Happy birthday. Hope it's a good day, month, year. All the above. And nice sound effect, Olivia. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Take care. Bye. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) There you go. Oh, my God. His babies are now, like, kids. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And they're all girls, man. (laughs) Oh, 
Oh, wow. He's outnumbered. He's way outnumbered. (laughs) (laughs) Dan Chigrew, um, my old producer uh, of uh, the uh, Overnight Show at WGN. Uh, Amazing dude. Great guy. Great family. Uh, All girls. That was so sweet. I always think about him. Anytime I think of uh, Baker's, Baker's Square. Yep. I think of Dan Chagrew. Because he hung out at Baker <laughs> Square. That was that was his yeah. hangout. Oddly enough, the, you know, oh, this is just a weird coincidence. Oddly enough, that Baker Square was in the same sort of no, was in the no, yeah, it is the, it is still there. But there used oh, to be okay. you know it used to be right next to about about seventy feet away in the mini mall. The the Chuck E. Cheese? Yes, the Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> yeah. Chuck E. Cheese. No, an actual Chuck E. Cheese. That was an actual Chuck E. Cheese. Mm, okay. Okay. How about this one? Uh, this this is kind of similar to. Well, I got a quick one here. Uh, did 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 they ever tell you? Did adults ever tell you that if you tried to keep your eyes open when you sneezed, your eyes would fly out of your head and you, your head would explode? Oh God, no, no, no. Because what's like? I mean, you can't, right? No, you can't. I think you can, but it's like close to impossible. But they would say like if you tried to if you kept your eyes open while you sneezed, your eyes would pop out of your skull and you, you, you they would fall out. See again, again with the threats. Yeah, it works. But then though. to me, most kids would be like, you know what? Let's try. <laughs> no, exactly. Like this one. Let's when my see daughter's... these eyeballs pop out. <laughs> here's another. Here's another one from this article. When my daughters were little, I told them that if they burped, farted, and sneezed all at the same time, that they would completely turn inside out. What? <laughs> I feel like that happened in a cartoon. Or something, and then they were they were truly inside out. Yeah. Oh God, how about this one? Here's a good one. I'm surprised your parents didn't do this one to you, Esmeralda, considering that it's terrifying. Yes. <laughs> when we would go to the store, my mom used to say, "Every time you touch something you shouldn't, a kitten dies." Good Lord. <laughs> Just like the fear you instill in your kids with that, you know. <laughs> wow. I love that. Oh, you just killed a kitten. <laughs> I also like, uh, I told my kids that if they didn't behave while d- waiting in the drive through line, they'd get a sad meal. <laughs> oh, that's great. I just that love that. I'd be like, nope, great. nope, get him a sad meal. No He's happy meal. meal. You get a sad meal. Oh, God, man. What would be in a sad meal? Nothing, I would imagine. Just like oh, Jesus. empty I mean, wrappers. I imagine just like really sad stale fries or nothing but broccoli. Oh, there you go. See, you went broccoli. (laughs) Yeah. And no toy. And maybe the empty wrapper of a toy, like a really nice toy. Oh, wow. Like an empty. And then you look at it and you you look at it and you could like, oh my God. And then there's nothing in it. Or a receipt for a PlayStation. Here you go. Wow. (laughs) So cruel. (laughs) They'd get a sad meal. That's good. That's good. How about this? My mom's friend got tired of her kids asking uh, to eat her scallops out in a restaurant, so she told them that they were dolphin balls. Ooh. But what if you like them? Scallops? No, no, no. I think I think the kids didn't. Or they told them that they were dolphin balls, or they didn't. Oh, well, yeah. No, you don't want to eat dolphin balls. Why not? Yeah, I don't know. Well, Dolphin Balls, that was my that was my radio name when I was on Morning Zoo. Yeah, man, Dolphin mm. Balls. So. I'm just thinking, you know, nose to fin. Nose to yeah. fin eating. <laughs> that works. Let me try some of them Dolphin Balls. <laughs> Wait. That might be good. Oh, no. Hold on. Wait a minute. I got to get that. Oh. 
Oh, look <laughs> at this. This one actually is in the apartment. Oh. Esmeralda, it's Brandon Weatherby. You have now known me longer than you have not known me. You are of a certain age that I will not say unless you are comfortable with that. And I have known you for a very, very long time. We are now in decade two, and I'm very glad I know you. And I would like to say that at this point in time, maybe now, you have technically not hated me longer than you did hate me. Happy birthday. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> explain, yes, explain I, think, to, I think that is true explain to everybody uh, well, when Brand, I first, Brandon when I, Weatherby who is the host yes. and you are the co-host of uh, yes. uh, everybody the, uh, sorry, Jesus Christ you me them you everybody me, the, you me them everybody which is a fantastic <laughs> podcast I was a guest on a long time ago I've had, a, I've had Brandon on the show many times and you guys go back a long ways yes Yes. Um, we first met in college. Uh, he was, I, 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 well, okay. So the reason why I hated him I know was I, I didn't even know him. I didn't know him yet, but he used to run a zine called Fowl right. and him and his friends would put up stickers all over the place and we would see it. And like me and a friend of mine who also just didn't like things, we were just like sick of seeing it. And we're like, who is that? <laughs> and I think we found out that it was Brandon and we're just like, Oh, I hate that guy. <laughs> yeah. With no like just just because of that, just because we were annoyed by it. Yeah. And then um uh, I applied to to be at the radio station, to work at the radio station, and it turned out that he would then be my student boss at the radio station. He was the programming director right. was student wise at the stand. I was like, Great. Yeah. That guy that I don't like. <laughs> yeah. That's but then fantastic. we became we became good friends, and now I don't hate him. You don't hate him. Uh, well, he no. stopped by. He stopped by to wish you a happy birthday. So that was very sweet. Yeah, All yeah. Right. We've yeah we've known each other for a very long time. You have. That's <laughs> fantastic. He's great. I'm going to get him on the podcast at some point, Esmeralda, because he's he's yeah, a good yeah, he's, for a, sure. he's, a, he's a great talented dude. And uh, the person that I had on uh, earlier uh, in the podcast today knows him as well. Daniel Knox was my guest, mm -hmm. earlier, and uh, he knows him as well. How about this one? I told my son who's terrified of clowns that ice cream trucks were driven by clowns. And every time he heard the music, he would cry and leave the room. Oh my God. That's again, That's good. I like it. I, I like too. it. I do too. Uh oh, Oh man. Hold on a second. Let me, oh. let's see what's going on. What's happening here now. Hold on a second. Uh, Hi Esmeralda. Happy birthday. This is Mary Vandeveld calling. Oh. I hope you're having a great day and giving Nick a really hard time on that podcast, as you should. I really miss seeing your smiling face every morning. I hope everything is good with you and hope to see you soon. Have a great, fun birthday. Bye. Oh, there you go. Oh, Mary. <laughs> How much do I miss Mary? Let me count the ways, you know? I know. Oh, it was always fun when she <laughs> when um at the end because she usually came in like what a half right. hour maybe a little about bit a half before. an hour before half an hour before we would get off the air if she would yeah come in. yeah and some and she would be listening when she'd yep. be driving in and she would but then she would yeah she'd be like yeah i loved whatever i did she always had some input which i always loved always and always always come in screaming about the fridge that's one of my favorite things about <laughs> about mary vandeveld she was like the she if the fridge was dirty and people didn't clean it out she would just like stand there. Sometimes I would walk out 
like if we went to news during the last like half hour of the show, we'd go to news mm-hmm. and I'd run out to get like a final refill of water. Cause the water like uh, thing was next to the fridge. I would walk mm-hmm. out there and sometimes I would just see her like sometimes in the morning, she would just have the fridge door open. Wouldn't be standing anything. And it wouldn't be saying anything. and just standing there shaking her head in disapproval. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause people, people would just leave stuff. Oh, awful. Yeah. No, no, no. And I it mean, would, if, you know, yeah, it, it was, no, it was, awful. It was, you know, it was a nightmare. <laughs> it was a nightmare. Um, okay. How about one more? My dad told me that when I was really little, that graveyards were little people farms and the people that's, would, that's kind of sounds sweet. Yeah. It's better, <laughs> better than, although looking. what, like when you go to, so then if someone were to die and you have to go to the funeral, like, right. what, what, do you, you? what do you say to the kids? That's good. Don't worry it's about like, it. About oh, six, no, yeah. In six months, grandma's going to grow back out. Oh God. <laughs> I mean, although in a way they are just people farms. Mm-hmm. They are. They are. <laughs> How about my grandma told my mom that the right boob was for white milk and that the left boob was for chocolate milk, and she believed that until the day she took sex ed in high school. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's like on a whole nother level from your thing. Yeah. Yep. It, it certainly I wonder is. if she ever told anyone. I mean, clearly not because she no, believed it until she believed it until she was in sex <laughs> until sex ed. That's a that's pretty insane. long time to believe that. That's quite I think that's a... even I think that's even worse than the walls are green in Walgreens. I think that's yeah. Even, I mean, yeah. just like thinking about it, like anytime you saw a baby, like oh, I wonder yeah. which one they chose. Yeah. Okay. Oh wait, I think this is the last one. Oh, it's our last visitor. Let me. Oh. Uh, oh, look at this. Hey, Esmeralda, it's Jason Skaggs. Hope you're having a wonderful <laughs> day so far. I'm in Key West right now, so I don't have a guitar or any instruments, but I did write you something on the plane. And so oh the last gosh. song was called Esma that I did for you. And so this one's kind of fitting. It's called Relda. Here we go. <laughs> Relda, yeah. I want to tell you, Woo. I blow up balloons for you. I wear a party hat too. Oh, 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 well done. Happy birthday to you. Yeah. I'll bake a cake uh, for you. I'll make it green, purple, and blue. Oh, 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 oh well done. Uh, happy birthday to you. Have a wonderful day. You know I love you. Bye. Oh, my goodness. There you go. <laughs> that was... <laughs> That's great. Jason Skaggs, man. I wrote this on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> lucky uh, lucky him. He's in Key West. He's in Key West, yeah, during this terrible weather. Um now, um, what are you doing uh tonight for your birthday and and what's going on for the birthday weekend? We are so Colin is taking me to dinner. He has not said. And then we're gonna go see an opera hmm. at the opera. <laughs> at the lyric at the lyric opera. At the lyric opera. Uh, which is exciting because he's actually he's owed me that he had uh he'd given me a card like for my birthday one year and he wrote in it like pick an opera and I'll take you to it and then he just finally <laughs> and it's been like a while I kind of forgot about it and right, didn't really right, about right, it right. but he then finally was like what about this yeah. um uh this opera we'll go see it and so he set it up uh, so cool. we're gonna go see fire shut up in my bones cool which well, I hear is great. very good that's great well uh, listen. Yeah. Azrael, happy birthday. Um, 
Thank you. It's uh, always just a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, I couldn't do the show without you. You know that. Mm. Um, and the first thing when, when you know, uh, I talked to the guys at Radio Misfit, Ed at Radio Misfits, and I said, yeah, I want to do this podcast. And then immediately the first person I called was you. So that's all. No. Because you rule. Thank you. And we have a great time. And uh, let's think of more. If, if you know, people want to email us with more lies that their parents told them, we can follow oh, that yeah. up the next time. Uh, you can leave a voicemail at 773-417-6948. You can drop us an email with anything, including lies your parents told you. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. Again, thanks to Jason Skaggs, who's in Florida right now, uh, for all the <laughs> themes and the songs. Uh, and everybody at Radio Misfits, check out RadioMisfits.com. Uh, subscribe to our podcast. Rate and review us on every platform. Please take the time to rate, review us, start a conversation uh, uh, on, the, uh, on the website at RadioMisfits.com. And tune in uh, next time. And on uh, Tuesday, our next podcast, Dan Feinberg with TV Talk and uh, so much more. And Esmeralda um, as well. And my dad will tell a joke, too. So that's all coming up. Thank you, Esmeralda, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, And we will see you on Tuesday on the next edition of the Nick D Podcast. Thank you. The wind is right on me.